0: Welcome, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, La and- Lawson. Lawson, tell me this morning, what are you thankful for this morning?
1: Oh, dude. So the most wild thing happened yesterday. Yes. Have you ever, like, expected to go home and then you just get caught up in things and you just don't? So that... Okay, let me explain. Let me explain. I... Yes, I've, so,
0: I've had that happen from so, time to time.
1: So I was, uh, I, I was leaving the studio and my co-worker at the Newcastle University Adventist Church, uh, Hannah, she told me that she was doing her first day at the soft opening of the brand new food pharmacy cafe here in Newcastle. This is a, an amazing new vegan cafe, completely vegan, awesome, healthy, incredible, tasty food. So I'm like, uh, I hear her say that, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm working there," and I think they've lined me—they lined me up to work officially as well sometime this week. And I'm like, "Oh well, I'll just go check it out." Anyways, so I walk in the door at like nine fifteen, and they're just kind of sorting everything out. They haven't even advertised or anything. They're just like, "Oh, anyone in the in the building that they're a part of, um, and anyone that's around can come and." and order food they've just put up their website and everything getting people in and uh, i walk in and i'm just chatting with them and then uh one of the ladies at the counter they had their first customer and then she was really struggling with the pos so i went like behind and like helped her because we've i've used that one before i Help uh, with the with the juice bar that oh, they yes, have in yeah. Raymond Terrace. So I've used the POS and done that. and They're like, "Oh, Lawson, that's fantastic. Hey, can you actually fix all the prices in this?" So then I stand <laughs> there, I stand there for an hour, like going through like the point of sale, fixing everything. And they're like, "Lawson, we need help in the kitchen." Oh, Lawson, can you sweep the floor? <laughs> and I leave at five p.m. <laughs> after working a full day. You know, and uh, it, it's classified. It's part of my job. This is a ministry that's connected to our church, so. It was all good, but it was so funny. I'm wearing, like, a 7XL t-shirt. It was hilarious. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
0: And we got a text message coming through, Lawson. Oh, yeah? Yes. About you. Oh, okay. <laughs> a text message coming through about you, so I'm going to read it. It says, You are such a blessing, Lawson. Is there anything you can't do? <laughs> Wow. Dude, dude. <laughs> Literally came through on my phone just now, that text message right there. So, I mean, I just, I, I just don't know what to say. I, I get to work with this guy every morning. Oh, that's so
1: cute. <laughs> Come on, guys. No, I think they're like... You know, uh,
0: somebody I- sent us a pin. Please,
1: <laughs> <laughs> someone, dude, someone just tell me that I mumble and then I'll just like immediately deflate. Like,
0: hey, burst this guy's bubble you're already. you mumbling
1: on radio. I would, I would cry. Um, <laughs> no, oh, it was just like it was a lucky thing. It's, it's interesting because I've been. It was actually quite
0: providential. Well, you've My worked, I, you've worked in retail in a few different places, so yeah, retail environment, right. something you're super familiar with,
1: and even in the sense of like helping set something up that's very similar. Like, being yes. around it, like, doing the exact same thing, you know, two years ago with the the juice bar up in Raymond Terrace, like, running all these systems, especially because, like, the these people who set up these two different businesses, food pharmacy and the juice bar, like, know each other.
0: And they're really good friends. And
1: they're really good friends. And they're using a lot of the same equipment.
0: And they're both selling health foods.
1: Yeah. And it's incredible. And by the way... If you are in the Newcastle area, specifically around the Cardiff area, they're also doing deliveries at the moment, but in a very limited sense. They're eventually going to get on like Uber Eats and menu log. But if you head to foodpharmacy.com.au, you can order food yes. and, and you can like. Eat the food later,
2: <laughs> but yeah, yeah,
0: it's a that's a really um, positive thing to do if you order food is to actually yeah that's right that's right I
1: don't I don't want to sound like too much of a shill but literally that was my day yesterday I just like walked in and they were just like help us and I was like okay and then I just didn't leave yeah, but we know what's happening after radio today dude look at me I'm wearing all black today because I'm ready <laughs> I'm ready, ready to go. go ready to go and help anyways hey let's
0: have a look at the quiz right now so, so the, the person the person who Who um, who, who, who sent that text message through now wants their their 20 bucks.
1: Oh,
0: oh. You promised them for saying these nice things. (laughs) Hey, hey, stop
1: exposing me, bro. Uh, Let's have a look at some positively different news uh, around the world. Okay, Lyle. Oh, I don't know what to go with first. All right, I'm going to start. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Guess what? What? The most sold car in Europe was last month. The most
0: sold car in mm. Europe. Yeah, what do you reckon? A Toyota Camry. Really? Corolla. Uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I'm going to go Corolla. In Europe? Yeah, you know, I don't really... I, I'm, I'm not a huge follower of what they drive in Europe. Mm. I'm just sort of thinking, surely, doesn't Toyota just rule the world?
1: Well, this is the thing. Like, we get that perspective from Australia because they're so close to us and import is so It's true. It's true.
0: But there are a lot of Toyotas in the US as well.
1: Uh, Totally. But then at the same time, like, because I've I've been to Europe, I've lived in Europe, and, and you actually notice that it's like, dude, BMW is like the Toyota over there, like, pretty much. Like, a Toyota Yaris over here is like a BMW, like,
0: I can tell what you which one that. I'd rather work on.
1: Yeah, that's right. But, but you would be wrong. Even if you're like, maybe you are up with European market trends and you'd say, oh, it's the it's the Renault Clio, which is usually like one of the- I'd still rather work on the Toyota. That's right. That's right. But the most sold car in Toyota, I mean, not in Toyota, in Europe in September was the Tesla Model 3. Wow. Not, not only the most, the most sold,
0: sold- You know what the most sold vehicle in the United States was? What? The Ford F truck. What? Actually, dude, <laughs> no, ch- probably not. Dude, I don't check know. This what, out. What it was recently. Check
1: this out because it also it, it was actually the top of the US as well. Because so in Europe No way.
0: It, check this out. No.
1: So in Europe it was organically fudging the finger fingers. Listen, listen, listen to me. In Europe it was organically like the, the top selling car. People are just buying these things. They want electric power. Uh, COP twenty six is going on at the moment. People are saying all kinds of things uh, about the climate and the environment. People are getting in there and buying electric cars, but it was also the top selling car in Europe because last Monday, um, Hertz, you know, the second largest uh, rental car company in the US and around the world, uh, they ordered 100,000 Teslas to be added to their fleet. So, what? which is a, is a massively substantial investment, like that is... Insa- like any insane amount of cars. Yeah, that would definitely tip the numbers. An insane amount of expensive as cars. Like this is the thing: is that like these these Teslas, bro. Like the Renault Clio is the most sold car right across Europe because it's small and cheap. It's yes, it's our Toyota
0: Yaris, you know, or yes. whatever it is. It's like or- well, I have the Toyota Yaris over there. I rented one in Italy. It was a hybrid one, which was so much cooler than the ones we have in australia yeah but the problem is
1: with toyota is that the same like tax that we experience from importing european cars here that make a bmw that would cost the same as a toyota over there like so expensive over here like they they have the same they have the same tax for japan plus they have when you have like literally like manufacturing plants in your country that's making cars why wouldn't you just buy cars from there because they'll be the cheapest uh but the point is is that yeah this is a huge shift, you know, putting my marketing cap on, I know nothing about marketing, but what I do know is that this is a big shift in market trends, and the you know it's no wonder that ford and and whatnot are putting huge money now into electric like fifteen billion dollars by Ford invested in. Electric vehicles and new plants. Well it's an interesting
0: it's an interesting conversation to have because I mean you look at fuel prices at the moment. Oh. and it's a massive motivation to uh <laughs> to buy, you know, something that runs on electricity. And just as Shell and I were driving into work this morning, you know, and our weekly fuel bill is 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 pushing up over a hundred dollars a week and it's like, mm. whoa, that's ouch. Um and so like I wonder well, I can't afford an electric car. Maybe I could afford a an e bike. Dude, totally. So so so, Lawson. I need your recommendation. Should I've should seen, I seen should them getting I, around. should I should I go and buy an e-bike?
1: Yeah, well, because it's e-bikes that are like electric bicycles. But I've seen. No, nah, I want an I, e-bike that is like a motorbike. a motorbike. I've seen a few
0: of them getting around, like with p-plates on, like proper. Mine will probably need to have l-plates. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I've ever written is dirt bikes that have. <laughs> No lights and most of everything <laughs> else smashed off of them, um, except for Lawson's um, dirt bike, which is absolutely amazing. Which is currently in the shed, dead. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but okay, Lyle. Yes. Last
1: last minute here. I needed. I need a, I need to concede to you. As as you should. Yeah. Because always. So so we covered a story a couple of weeks ago about mushrooms. We did. And. It turned into a fierce debate, which I still hold my position of. Like, I think mushrooms are great. Has not yet been converted. But I read this article this morning that was... And it was in the good news section. So, I was like, oh, this is good news. Then I read it and I'm like, this is whack-ass. They're like... Basically, the article is titled "The Many Health Benefits of Eating Mushrooms That Are Wild and Picking Them Doesn't Deplete the Supply." And I'm just reading through this. I'm like, this is just the mushroom lottery of like picking up a hallucinogen or a rotten and thing and just dying. I'm like, this is. I don't like this article. I'm like, so if is- you
0: know what kind of mushrooms to pick, you can go out in the paddock and pick mushrooms after rain, right? Yeah. But if you don't know what to pick, then it could be kind of anything that you pick up. And you know, you, you it's, never know. You know, the craziest
1: thing is some it... of them,
0: some of those ones will give you bad drug experiences from which your your brain will never recover. Um, I have several friends who blew their minds on mushrooms just once, just tried mm. the mush the the, mushies, the shrooms once, and that was it. They've been schizophrenic ever since. Well,
1: dude, like, and the the promotional photo for this article as well is a bunch of. Golden top hallucinogenic mushrooms.
0: There are some mushrooms out there that will kill you stone
1: dead. Without even disclosing. It's not even like, oh, and these are hallucinogenic mushrooms it just has the picture and then talks about how good mushrooms are i'm like and you'll be paranoid for the rest of your I'm life like that is the scariest thing ever i hope no one reads this article and is like oh those mushrooms look good i think i have some in the yard please don't do that <laughs> please don't pick wild mushrooms Buy them from your supermarket you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different Anyways, yeah, so what's going on in current
0: news? All right, let's talk about some, uh, some more serious news. Well, actually, I don't know whether this is more serious news or not. This is actually positively different news. Um, I'm, I'm going to steal some from your section right now. But okay. I just need to say that uh, we all need to go to the movies. Wow, that's controversial. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Christians need to go to the movies. Amen. Why? And the reason that we need to go to the movies is because when there is good material on the movies, if we don't go... Then that good material will never be played on the movies and they'll only ever play rubbish on the movies. Mm. And if we don't support it when it's there and available, then we, we, we just destroy it for ourselves. Mm. You know, because we're Christians and we sort of think, ah, we'll we'll just watch that when it comes out on the computer and watch it on our, on our, you will just download it. No, go to the movies and support it. Anyway, it is happening. Uh, the chosen, uh, Christmas special is coming out on December one and two. And the tickets just went on sale in the United States yesterday uh they already sold out 1.5 million tickets they were releasing this uh particular episode across 1100 theaters they've had to add another 500 to that uh to be able to deal with the demand that is being uh created as a result of uh the yeah the demand anyway uh this particular episode is called the messengers the, the christmas special the messengers and, of course, if you're unfamiliar with the chosen uh it has gone through two seasons and is now in fifty languages and it's basically the story of jesus um and it's probably the only time I've ever seen a uh any kind of theatrical depiction of Jesus that I felt comfortable with mm. and you know you're never going to agree with everything, and your image in your mind is always going to be a little bit different of you know what somebody else's thoughts are, but this one, to be honest. I resisted watching it for a long time, but I have really appreciated mm. uh, the material that has um, been put together. Of course, the Christmas specials feature a lot of music. Well, mm. they're kind of – lot about music? Music with um, monologues. And so you're going to have monologues from Nathaniel, uh, from Thaddeus, from Judas, and from Eden mm. uh, in this particular uh, presentation. But you're also going to have music that is going to come from Phil Wickham, Maverick Music, uh, King and Country, Brandon Lake, uh, we the Kingdom, Kane, uh, Leanna Crawford, Jordan Feliz, Dawson Hollow, Matt Ma, uh, One Children's Choir, The Bonner Family, Brian and Katie Tawalat. Yeah, I'm just looking, I'm wondering, like, this is might
1: be amongst the biggest, like, Christian theatrical releases there was. Well, you know, uh, The Passion of the Christ made $612 million in the box office, which is by far and away the biggest, like, Christian Bible based release. Um but I think this would be, you know, to to sell one point five million tickets. Uh one point
0: five million dollars worth, sorry. Mol- Clarification there. Dollars Producer Cell was just having a whisper in my ear and questioning that one.
1: Uh one point five million dollars well, that it's a lot smaller than I thought. <laughs> but that's <laughs> still really decent. Yeah, that's hey, people are going out to the movies to see Christian releases. Like you know, that's the thing. Like The Passion of the Christ was like a massive budget Hollywood movie. That was directed by Mel Gibson and inspired me not at all. Yeah i I watched the Passion once and not again. So
0: <laughs> Whereas the Chosen, I would recommend to anybody yeah. from what I've seen so far. I mean, who knows where it goes in the future? But I do appreciate what I've seen so far. Mm. Uh, the first two seasons have uh, really brought out some very powerful lessons and uh, and and depicted Jesus as being a very real person. Mm. All right. Travelling from the United States across to the UK, uh, we're going to talk about Dan Walker this morning. He's an English journalist, uh, newsreader, TV presenter. He's been doing uh, this kind of work since 1999. So, you know, he's been around for a long time. Um, he presents for Football Focus, the BBC Breakfast Show, uh, Sports Sport, Sport Day uh, on the BBC News Channel and BBC World News. Um, also presents on Final Score and Match of the Day. So... Um, a major sports TV host, uh, in the UK. He's just released a book called Magic, Mud, and Maradona. Mm-hmm. And you would say, well, what's this got to do with Christian radio? Well, it's interesting um, because he's just been quizzed on his views in relationship to creation. Mm-hmm. And the reason behind this is, you know, whenever there's somebody out there who is a Christian and who is doing well for themselves, of course they are going to be attacked and bullied and so forth. That's kind of the nature of the world in which we live today. And so... This particular individual, he's a sports newsreader, a sportscaster, newsreader, et cetera, uh, commentator, and his entire career he's never once worked on Sunday. Okay. Because that's his Sabbath. Mm-hmm. He's a Christian. That's his Sabbath. It's not the Bible Sabbath, but anyway, that's his Sabbath, and so he doesn't work on his Sabbath. And I, I, I hear that and I'm like, wow. That's incredible. Because I know a lot of um, Jewish people. I know a lot of Adventist people who... Uh, choose the Sabbath as a day of rest, but very, very few evangelicals, you know, most evangelicals that I know, they'll go to church on, on, on Sunday if they don't have a work shift on. Mm. Um, yeah, so most of them will go to church on Sunday, but then Sunday afternoon is just a, a day like any other day. Dude, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, that, that's 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 how I view evangelical Christianity, and if you're different from that, God bless you. And, and he, like, he's a sportscaster for the BBC as
1: yes. well. Like, yes. they play football games on, on Sunday. Sunday. They big time. Rate, they do most every Sunday. Of like, yeah, wow.
0: Yes, so obviously very good at what he does, mm. and really appreciated by his audiences because he's able to negotiate these kinds of contracts um considering as you say the need to to work on sunday mm. anyway uh, daily telegraph columnist uh rupert myers has just come out absolutely slamming this guy um on the issue of creation he says creationists can never be trusted to report objectively or to react re- or to react reasonably with interviewees or the public Of course, because creationists, you know, and the idea behind this is because creationists believe in something that has never been um, scientifically proven. Uh And so if you believe in something that has not been scientifically proven, then you're actually loopy. Uh And so, you know, my reply to that would be, okay, Rupert, you believe in evolution, right? Uh, And... Your faith is in such things as, you know, material that spontaneously moves from a position of non life to life. Mm-hmm. When has that ever been observed, tested, or repeated? Uh-oh. So you believe you believe in something that is one hundred percent faith. As a creationist, of course, I believe that that life comes from life. And we see that happening every single day of our lives. Um, Many of us have actually participated in that and done that, Um, and it's an amazing experience. Um, Life coming from, um, you know, from 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 life from life is, you know, and it and it passes on down through the generation. You're just
1: talking about procreation. You're just talking about sex. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah well i mean hey in all its varieties whether it's the plant life or the animal oh, life for or sure, whatever for sure yeah um and you know and this is somebody who believes in, in 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 evolution where we've never seen any genetic mutation that has added any new information or given any kind of benefit in any way shape or form bro does this guy like it, it hurl the same
1: accusations like this person who said that this he can't be objective and blah blah blah. Does he hurl the same thing towards people who believe in all different kinds of faiths? Like if you're, because there's there's lots of like like Mo Salah. He's like one of the most famous uh, football players in the world. He's like Egyptian and Islamic. Does does he yes. just stand there like attacking and just him like that guy as well? Do, do you attack Tom Cruise because he's a Scientologist? Like do you, do you just attack anyone who believes something different from you? And is that like really like tolerance? Are you a reasonable enough a person to to interview people when you just like attack everyone for like what they believe, well, dude? That's so yuck. So that's the a Dan, most Dan, ironic
0: Dan thing ever. Dan Walker <laughs> responded with, "I want to live in a world where we can have different views on things. An atheist can interview a Hindu about the intricacies of their faith. I don't understand why we are terrified of people who think slightly different to the way we do." I'm a Christian, essentially, and that's the bottom line. And I've been in the industry for 20 years. In that time, I think I've mentioned my faith on air once when Johnny Rotten called me a Bible basher, and we laughed about it. I never shoved it down anybody's throat. Some of the stuff written surprised me, and some of it I found quite funny and ignorant ignorant in equal measure. (laughs) I kind of like that last little bit of a line there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Joining us on the phone this morning is someone that I've actually known for a very long time, Pastor Michael Browning. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show.
2: Yes, thank you very much. Appreciate that.
0: Now, um, Pastor Michael, we go back a long way. I don't actually remember. I might have been, I'm thinking uh, early teens when we first met, and you were actually my church pastor.
2: That's correct, and we were down the, in the very bottom of Tasmania.
0: Yes, down in the Huon Valley, the promised land down there. Now, of course, you, mm. come, from, you come from Tasmania originally.
2: Mm, born in Hobart and uh, grew up in Tasmania. Yeah, fantastic and, stuff. Uh, yes, well, it was. It's a beautiful place to grow up in as a child. Tasmania, mm. and a uh, lot of lot of access to the to the natural world. We loved going out into the into the mountains and things like that.
0: Ah oh, yes, of course, and of course, uh, for those of you who don't know, Tasmania has a World Heritage, you know, um, region in the southwest that is absolutely stunningly amazing to go and see.
2: And I mean, you lived—you lived, you lived oh, in a very beautiful spot down there at Glen Huon, didn't you? Was that lovely on that hill? And well, we kind of had.
0: We, we we kind of had a lot of that World Heritage area on our on our doorsteps, so to speak. And when you grow up there, you pretty much take it for granted, and you don't realise how good it was until you move away. And
2: those raspberries that you used to grow.
0: Oh, my my, my <laughs> favorite my favorite food my favorite food. You are, we are having a trip down memory lane this morning. <laughs>
2: food, yeah.
0: Mike, I would love to hear about your story, um, your testimony and how you came to give your life to God and your journey of faith ever since. Uh, you mentioned okay. that you were born in Hobart. And mm-hmm. Just just take us through the early part of this story.
2: Okay, okay. Well, um, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, it, was, it was what I would call not a strong Christian home. Um, Tended church, but we didn't have much confidence in the Bible. But I used to pray. And the interesting thing is, Lyle, like, um, from as young as I can remember, I sensed the call of God um and I and I knew he called me and uh but I just didn't know what he called me to do he didn't actually mention that part of it and so um I grew up wondering what it was that God wanted me to do and uh, I think partly because I didn't have a solid foundation in the bible even as a christian um then there were some pretty wild days as my, in my youth and um When I got to 18 years of age, I thought to myself, this is not getting me anywhere here. I'm not finding God's call. And the interesting thing, Lyle, is that I'm thinking like this to myself, and I know I was an unconverted person. I wasn't born again at that point, yet the confidence I had in the call of God was just as strong as ever, Mm. um, which was interesting. So anyhow, the opportunity came to go to Papua New Guinea and work um, for the Australian government that was caring for Papua New Guinea at the time. And so this was uh, a good while ago. <laughs> this was 1966. And so um, I applied for that position. And uh, a couple of months later, there's little Tasmania, Now, you know what it's like being able to grow up in a group in Tasmania? Yeah? But e- you, even people from the mainland are daunting, you know, it's like the rest <laughs> of Australia. Well, see, so you, well, really... you
0: went to PNG when, when you were 18, I think you were saying. I went to the United was, States. Was, is that okay? Mm,
2: yeah, I was eighteen, and uh, I went and to the United was, States when I was
0: twenty. So I can I can relate
2: to this. It's a, it, it's it's a, a different dual, world. It's a daunting thing for Tasmanian kids to leave Tasmania. So I got on this plane and headed off into the wild blue yonder, and um, and went to New Guinea. And uh, I, for the first two years there, there were a lot of young Australian people there working in PNG at the time. And uh, I spent a lot of time there. My um, well, it was a normal young person's lifestyle, I have to say. Even though I was on the eternal search, which I definitely was, but I wasn't certainly living a Christian lifestyle. And then uh, one weekend, something really happened. I was living in Caving on New, on New Island, which is on the north side, a long thin on the north side of Papua New Guinea. And um, my friends came to me where I was little little place I was living in, and said, Hey Mike, come on! We're all going to so and so's party. This was on a Friday night, and I said to them, "I just couldn't go." I said, "Look, no, look, I can't. I'm not coming." I said, "What's the matter?" I said, "No, I'm fine. I'm just not coming." But I just knew I had to think my life through, and uh, this wasn't—I wasn't going where I would have hoped to have been going. So I stayed home that weekend. The whole weekend, I got invitations out Saturday night as well. And, um, but I just knew I had to get to stay there and think. And so finally, I, I prayed. And uh, I us it, praying is the bottom line. We want God to move in our lives. So I prayed, and I said, look, Lord, um, this, there's nothing living like this. There's nothing in this that attracts me at all. This is going nowhere. If you can do something with my life, I'm prepared to give all this away. That was pretty much what I said. Mm. And things began to change right away, Lyle. Not too far up the road lived the Seventh day Venice missionaries who were in KVing. And and Lorna Harrison was was her name. And she was great. She used to often invite all the young, all the young Oggie boys and girls home to her place for a meal. And she'd always share the scripture with them. And I was interested in that. So she started doing that with me. And, uh, and well, I have to say, I was a tough nut to crack because um, I had to have very things very clear in my mind. But ultimately, I could see what was happening. Mm, mm. And the job was called. Cool. So what I did, well, I prayed. Well, actually, I, I I had a longing to know God. That was the big thing in my heart. And I said to Lorna one day, I said, look, I'd like to ask to have a relationship with God what do you do and she said you just tell him that you want to give your life to him that's all you have to do no fancy words required so I said well I can do that so I went back to my house and I prayed knelt down by my bread and for um, at least a couple of weeks at least I was praying and I just kept praying this prayer Lord if there's something you can do with my life I'm ready to give my life to you and, and uh, accept Jesus as my saviour. And uh, I don't know how long I've been doing that for—maybe um, a couple of weeks. Every night, faithfully, I was in earnest about it. Lyle, let me tell you. Mm, mm. And, uh, and then I heard God's voice for the first time.
0: And and when you heard God's voice, you know what what was God telling you? What did, what did God tell you to do?
2: Well, in the few times that God has spoken to me, I've always been one liners. Like, God doesn't have—I've never had a conversation with any chance. Mm -hmm. God just said to me, "You're accepted." That's all He said.
0: And was this like was this an audible voice that you heard in your ears, or did God speak directly to your mind?
2: Well, it's a bit hard to tell exactly, actually, but um, it was—it was um, unmistakably from God, and I Mm. just—that was it. That was the turning point in my life. Praise God. And uh, I never turned back. Um, he always deals with us differently. Well, you, you've had enough experience in your spiritual life and with people to know that. Mm-hmm. And so he, um, I don't know if he, how often he speaks to people. I know he speaks to some people a lot, and some people who are believers don't even hear his voice. Um, and I think it's important to remember that he doesn't always work <laughs> the same way. But with me, he said, you're accepted. And I'll tell you what, that was... That was the best thing that ever happened to me, and uh, so many years later, I still rejoice in that story. when you did that for me.
0: So, what changed in your life? You're working for the Australian government in Papua New Guinea. You've given your life to Jesus Christ, and God has spoken to you and audibly said, "You're accepted." Yeah. What, what what changes from that point forward?
2: A lot, a huge change because. Um, One of the interesting things, and I mentioned that I had a Christian home, but we weren't a Bible-believing Christian home. It sounds like a contradiction, I know, but and it was a different disadvantage. We didn't realize that at the time. But my mother always wanted me to be a minister in the church that we grew up in, in Tasmania. And uh, and I, uh, I never did want to do that, largely because of some of the ministers that I knew. And I thought, I don't want to be like that. And uh, so I'd always say, no, I couldn't do that. So I grew up with the God's call, saying to myself that being a minister is a thing I wouldn't be doing. And uh, <laughs> the first thing that I did, when God never spoke to me and said, I want you to be a minister, I just knew. Mm. It's really amazing. So I'd so that was the next step. Um, I just knew God was calling me to be a minister, uh, even though I had that funny background about it. Um, and uh, so, then, so within a month, I was flying back to Australia and uh, and off to college for, for me to be passed to be a pastor, and that's fifty years ago. Amazing, as I look back.
0: Wow, time goes fast. <laughs> time goes fast, Mike. It doesn't. It only feels like yesterday that we were uh, that we were down there in Glenhuin in Tasmania picking raspberries. But
2: um... yeah, that was that was a great time. I I thoroughly enjoyed my time down there. Yes. Indeed. Um, my home place. Yeah.
0: So, what's it like going from somebody who is you because know, we're talking about a relatively short space of time, uh, going from somebody who's not a Christian to somebody who studies the Bible to somebody who gives their life to God, and yeah. you know, a month later
2: you're sitting in classes. What What's that like? <laughs> well, it was it was um, too fast to think about, really. I suppose as I look back, but when, I, I have to say I was. No, it was. A, I was quite a quite a lot of mu- quite a few months in New Guinea after my commitment to the Lord before I came down to Australia. Yes. Um, I am um, that entire time just soaking myself in the Bible because I got confidence in the Bible a while, and mm. this is why, mm. because because I had no idea the as a kid growing up that the Bible was so full of um, prophecies. Yes. Um, prophecies that had been fulfilled. And um, and uh, we studied those there um, in up in New Guinea, um, those prophecies, and uh, I was just astounded. You know, um, you're familiar with Daniel chapter 2 and the prophecy that outlined the major nations of history mm. um, from around 600 B.C. on to our time. And I thought, <laughs> that is a staggering thing. And then all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his life, like some 300 of them, um, I mean, you can't walk away from that. Um, that just does not happen um, unless God is doing it. Um, and so I realized that this is no ordinary book at all. Um, this is a book that God has spoken in, and it's reliable. You can trust its message. So that was the difference. So I soaked myself in the scripture for quite a few months, and, um, and it totally turned my life around.
0: Now, when you started to when you decided to study for ministry, that's not the same church that your parents had sort of raised you in. No. Did they
2: have any objection to that? My parents, um, it was a bit of a, a shock to my parents. But interestingly enough, my mother um, had a very good friend whose name was Bishop Barrett who lived in Launceston, um, well, just north of Launceston in Tasmania. A very fine Christian man, actually, and uh, whom I knew also well. And she went to him and she said to him, to Bishop Barrett, oh, she said, Michael's become a Seventh day Adventist and is going to be a minister and so on. And he said, look, Zoe, that was my mother's name, "um, they're wonderful people. (laughs) This is interesting, wasn't it? They're wonderful people. Don't you worry about a thing. (laughs) That was a great encouragement to my mother.
0: I'm sure it was. um,
2: Yeah. So she was able to accept that and uh, and so um, while um we had we had some good discussions um with my dad, we had some good discussions because that actually was a minister of that particular church. and uh, um Dad never came to to any um conviction about certain things, like the Sabbath for the say like but um, but um we 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 had some good connections on a spiritual basis over time. Mm, mm.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful, and, and Mike, you've uh, you mentioned that uh, heading off to college to study for ministry fifty years ago. I'm sure that <laughs> ministry has taken you on many adventures ever since then.
2: It has, it has, and uh, to many places too. Um, how many states of Australia we've ministered in, and um, in the Solomon Islands. And when I was in the Solomon Islands, that took me to Vanuatu and Kiribati and. Um, and a number of wonderful places. Van Alante was a lovely place to be. Um, spent some time on to, Pitcairn? To min- yes, and we had, we had a year on Pitcairn Island. That was, that was fascinating. I've always wanted to go to Pitcairn Island, uh, where, the, where the remnant of the evening on the balcony we went to, and that was a great experience. Um, the people there have a lot of struggles, um, but there's not, there's not a big group of people out there, of course, only 50-odd people, 50 mm. to 60 of the local people and a few, maybe a dozen expatriates are there doing this and that thing. Um, but it's a beautiful island, of course, very beautiful.
0: Mm. Mm, absolutely. Mike, has been fantastic <laughs> having you on the show this morning. Unfortunately, um, our time is gone. I'd love to uh, just um, yeah sit here and, and, and listen to your stories all morning long. Um, maybe maybe we'll have to get you back sometime and talk about some of those uh, adventures in ministry, but it seems like yeah. <laughs> that decision to give your life to Jesus Christ is one that you have never regretted.
2: Never, not for one second. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.